Greetings and welcome to Bombadil's Porch. I am Caleb Klontz together with Nate Larmore and Chris Martin. We are three Christian dads uh, sitting on the porch building camaraderie and other things that I can't, that I can't remember from <laughs> our... tables, chairs. The, yes, this That's is right. uh, a rocking horse. likely to be our last podcast of the year. And, Indeed. Uh, for sure before Christmas, so right off the bat, don't want to forget that and wish everyone a Merry Episode Christmas. 52. Episode 52. Episode 52. Season two? Yeah, which for season two. So oh, we haven't actually week? recorded oh. one every week, but we've recorded on average. On average one, one every week. week. Wow. So not so, too bad. Unless something crazy happens that we feel we must get on the porch to talk about yep. between now and the new year. Uh, we are unlikely to be all three together in the same room after what Sunday, maybe probably Until yeah. for a couple of weeks. So um, yeah, if Caleb yeah. shaves his beard off, we will. Oh, if I shave my beard off, do a special episode. I'll be sleeping on one of your couches. So need somebody to watch the house when you're away. <laughs> and it's like, I'm not looking at your yeah, face until yeah, it looks I, like so it's supposed to. Linda is... Between is, Linda and Michaela, I think they okay. locked me out of the house. They like mm. the beard. Yeah, the yeah. last time I tried to tried to even just trim it way down, I guess, I can trim it a little bit at a time. But if I, okay. if I trim it down, yeah. And Linda really likes the hair that's, you know, it's getting too big for me. But she likes it when ah, it gets big and curly. Your lion's mane? Wow. I mean, yeah. She likes yes. the... The yeah. whole uh, the big beard. I guess so. I, I, well, she likes the curliness in my hair and stuff. You know, that kind of comes out when I actually. I've kind of liked it grow too. It out. Oh, thanks. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'll grow it out for you. So, uh, <laughs> thank you. You're I'm, sure, I'm sure Linda will appreciate the That's support. Right. And if anybody's out there wondering that listened last week, my toe still hurts, but. The purple bruising is all gone. That's well, that's the, good. It's just still slightly swollen. So anyway, just figured I'd throw that out you there. You still think it was broken? Uh, yeah, I mean, it still hurts. I, I don't know. I don't know. I was shy of getting an x-ray if we could tell if it was broken mm. and where. I know that it felt broken and it still feels not right. We could try bending it different directions. Yeah. No, they, they advise against <laughs> that still. So I had Linda look at it, but the slight manipulations were painful. So we'll just okay. leave it at that. Uh, all right. It's still buddy taping, and I probably should ice it. I was just somebody told earlier told me I should probably ice it, yeah, which I hadn't done because still the swelling still is still red, but it's not as purple and bruised as it was last and to week. To all of our listeners, the toe is still attached, yeah, and but the bruising is gone. Toes are important, you know. You don't realize how important they are till one of them really hurts. Even the little toe, they, yeah, mm. and they sound actually almost especially the little toe. He just kind of flops there, you know. Have you ever tried bending? Linda's like. Bend your toe on your right foot and bend your toe on your left foot. You can't really bend your little toe. I mean, maybe you guys can. I no, can't bend my little toe. Really, foot, it's basically. like the, that whole side has yeah. to kind of move. You know. What's funny is the three of us are sitting here, and I'm pretty sure we're all doing this with our feet right now, <laughs> bending. <laughs> oh boy! Well, we've got a lot of things to talk so about. We were listeners. talking about a lot of things, and we weren't recording for the last hour. Yeah, that's we, kind of. So we just thought we'd hit record so we could say farewell yeah. since uh, we've finished all of our segments yes. for today. We would have had three but, shows. But the we thing is. Five for the year. As part of the reason that we uh, we started the show was because we were sitting around having these kinds of conversations when we would get together, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we wanted and we were to like, do it more. Yeah, we should do it more, and mm-hmm. maybe they could be profitable <laughs> for, for other people. <laughs> maybe for, they could be yeah. for other people. I mean, <laughs> you mean that metaphorically? Stop right? wasting our time. Actually, the, sure. the, you know, it's always you know, what do you guys even talk about anyway when you get together? Well, these are the Lots kind of things we of talk about. Stuff. <laughs> Important <laughs> stuff. Try, try and be a little bit more polished. Polished when we're on the porch, but uh, <laughs> I think we've gotten past that stage, though. You know, oh, we've polished see? for a while. Now we're moving on. I think R.C. Wiley's new book came out, by the way. Yes, and I didn't get it. What's yet. that R.C. stand for? 
RC Wiley? Remote control? Wiley? What's his name? I don't remember. He's the guy that we read the, the well, book I know. about. I just, I, again, all these people that switched to initials, I, I'm beginning to wonder what are they yeah. running from. Yeah. I, well, if your middle name was Staples. It's in the house of Tom Bombadil, I think is the name of yeah. it. Yeah. It was on my oh, Christmas man, wish list this year. Oh, see? It wasn't on mine, but I should be. Temporarily out of stock. Anyway, are you guys, on Amazon? Yeah, you on Amazon? So, there's a silence on the radio always while all of us there's are looking, <laughs> looking it up. The there's an RC Wiley home furnishings, but that I'm pretty sure it's so different. Oh, CR Wiley. Furniture? Why did I say why do you say RC? CR Wiley. That's more like Sorry, it. CR. CR. I wonder what the CR stands for. Sorry, I'm caught up on that. So he's got a new book out. It's uh, he's 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 done a lot of Bombadil stuff, hasn't he? Yeah, well, he was kind of the one that they coined that whole instead of the uh, Benedict option that um, the Bombadil option, the Bombadil option. I think he had some blog posts and stuff that he kind of was working through. Mm-hmm. Kind of some of the things that that for us, you know, when we thought about Bombadil as well, we were you know when you're thinking about the porch, that whole idea of of being where we're at and and how do we how do we engage our culture and and what yeah. do we do as dads, Christian dads that are here? Don't retreat into the monastery. Instead, project out. Yeah. Chris is the C. I don't know. Can't find the R yet. Chris is a perfectly good name. I uh, tend to think so. Chris, I want your you. You and Caleb are much closer to the uh, to the, the, to the realms of intellectualism, <laughs> uh, the, the realms of intelligentsia than I am. The uh, what is it about? What is it I about academics? That means we <laughs> work in proximity to more books. Yes. Yeah, was a, I think you've overestimated where you think we work. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about what? You, what is it about the academic world where people go to the initials? I, it, it's it's now that I'm now it's one of these things. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. And it's like you have yep. a perfectly good name, Ned. Why'd you go with you know NT whatever? <laughs> I, I prefer that you guys you know refer to me as CJ Clontz from now on. I think that that's actually sounds pretty cool. And you can call me CJ Martin. <laughs> there we go, CJ Martin. And what is what? Do you know have a CJ? I'm a I'm an NT. But here's what's yeah. funny. I was talking to Mr. Mr. Daly about this, and uh, and actually I was talking to Will Martin too. So we were joking around. Will Martin is WC Martin now, uh-huh. uh, especially because he's a doctor. We got to do doctor. Gotta, he's a doctor in the house. But then when we went to Ben, he wasn't into this because I believe his middle name starts with an S. So those are not the right. <laughs> <initials>. <laughs> you got to have the yep. right names that to make true. this work. Uh, I do like CJ. We did Klotz, do <laughs> we did do fairly extensive initial checks on all of our children <laughs> before we named them. Yeah, yeah. One of our friends called to attention that uh, anyway. <laughs> I won't say one of our children. One of our children would have been named something that could have been misconstrued as a bad word. So, oh, that's Ooh, not good. Not yeah. Good. So, so yeah. then we went. Oh yeah, well, let's, let's not that. do that. There you go. So, anyway, yep. Steve O'Bannon. Is that are those? <laughs> I don't want to yes. dwell on those initials. Is that right? <laughs> oh boy. Is o, is o the the first letter of his last name? Or it's not in a middle initial, is it? Mm. O'Bannon sounds like a yeah, Irish okay. name, yeah. so I think you're probably safe there. All right, so he's an S.O. That's yeah. it. Okay, good. We'll leave it there. I wonder if it's just years and years of digging through bibliographies and library card catalogs and these sorts of things that just sort of your name stops being your name as much as it is your designation, <laughs> which is easier to abbreviate than to spell out all the time. So, yeah, okay, interesting. I didn't want to burn too much time on that. But speaking of cool names, one of the things we spent the last hour and a half talking about 
is a person, a Time Magazine's Person of the Year. Yes. Which just came out. Uh, when did they announce now, that? Last week? What year were you, Nate? You were a Person of the Year one year. Oh, yeah. That would have been back in, uh, I'm trying to recall. Let me pull out my notes here. Thank was you that, for helping uh, me, Chris. Oh, oh you think, went past I think it. Yeah. It's 2000. There it is. 2006. 2006. Yes. yes. You were Nate, right there on the cover. Well, you were. I wasn't Time's Man of the Year, but you But your were. preferred. Oh, I was. <laughs> your preferred pronoun was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ref- uh, in case our, our listeners missed this, back in 2006, Time really, uh, I think they kind of this was shanked a, this, this one. Was one of, this was one of those, yeah, this is one of these. This is, a, this is classic mid-2000s. Yes, yeah, it is mid-2000s. They said but that the, their person of the year was you, just you. And yes, you, you control the information age. Welcome to your world. Uh, these guys were right in step with. Yeah, but with, this was clearly one of those. It feels like clearly one of those. Like, man, we don't know who to pick. This is a. Bunt. I know what we'll do. Yeah, this is a bunt. Yeah. exactly. What was going that on in two thousand six? Who who was who was in the news? A very old mm-hmm. interface for YouTube. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> what was going on. Was that and actually that was was that really it? Was it really me or was it YouTube that they got into? Did they get into that? I guess I don't remember. That was a while ago. Oh, here yeah. it is. So an explosion of individual content creators on the internet spurred Time's unusual 2006 decision. Is that like MySpace time? No, that was that was post-MySpace, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay. But isn't that interesting, though? That whole MySpace, YouTube, yep. uh, mm-hmm. it's all about you. Yeah, but Face. thank you for reminding me that I did win that year. <laughs> You're welcome. Caleb, along with, at the time, what was the world population? 6.1 billion or something. So... Um, we all won. There good, was, yeah, good for uh, us. there were less yeah. U's back then. So, has U continued to make a difference? Was uh, was it right to put U on the cover? Uh, did did U matter? You know, uh, and let's let's be generous and say that that yeah. means the explosion of individual content creators. I would say yes. Uh, YouTube. Mm-hmm. And which has got to be the epicenter of all content creation, and it's kind of moved into this whole new. Don't forget. TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, right. Snapchat, Twitch. You know. So those are significant. But what's interesting is the individual content creators, I don't think really are, right? There's so much content being created that it's all, it kind of gets lost. Occasionally someone goes viral. Or in the case of YouTube, you've got some creators that have become right. mega millionaires. These are people that probably would have mm-hmm. become plumbers and electricians, but they have a an entertaining <laughs> capability yeah. and, they're, and they're multimillionaires now. I, I, We've got some local ones too, yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, who, who, went, who are our best local content creators? Uh, you know, I, I you besides, know, besides, us, besides your son, and, well, yeah, besides no, none this of my podcast, kids, of course. Yeah, no. Yeah. Well, no, I just know there have been some that have made a lot of money, um, but it, I don't know who it is. It's somebody that my my is a a good friend of a friend and not good friend of one of my <laughs> children. But but it, but I mean, just he I mean, he just bought mm-hmm. outright bought a, a very fancy car. Things. I mean, he's. He's quite successful. He's making so, okay. a friend of a friend, but not a friend of your children. Is that is that the connection? I think I'm, yeah, I yeah. There. There's a little bit, but in other words, one of my children said that name. Uh, the the not said the name of of the person's YouTube, uh, the YouTube uh, channel brand. channel t- yeah whatever it is, <laughs> and I can't remember what it is. But but anyway, and my one of my younger children immediately went. You mean, oh. you know so-and-so? They're like, well, no, I know 
you know. Anyway, <laughs> and so it was, well, there was definitely there's there's enough recognition that it's a, you know it, the person has a popular. Uh, okay. Um, I, I think he's pretty clean, and he runs a channel that's. Oh, that's I, good. I, I don't know some video game based one and stuff. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, I don't there know a whole lot about it. I Here's what I don't know. I had a whole lot about it. So you has had but some there is some local ones. You has done some some good things. <laughs> but they were probably barely alive when 2006 was. So. So then we go to 2007. By the way, for you listeners, you, you didn't win in 2007. No, no. no. In fact, the the ultimate. Villain Vladimir Putin, two thousand seven. Um, Person of the year. Wow. Well, they tagged him as the czar of the new Russia. What's interesting is how things change, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been times where Putin was considered a uh, a frenemy of the U.S., and then there's times <laughs> he's been considered an outright villain. And um, I think both are probably true. It just depends on what if his interests have aligned with ours for the for the day or the yeah. week. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, the little uh, pull quote there, if Russia falls, then all bets are off for the 21st century. And if Russia succeeds, it will be largely because of the success of Vladimir Putin. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of truth to that in the short term, right? Eventually that mantle will fall to whoever succeeds him. Mm-hmm. Uh, in another three or four hundred years, <laughs> but I, uh, I saw an interesting um, documentary yeah. about Russian presidents, and but and it's like the best job that you can never quit because the next guy will probably kill you. Yep, or have mm-hmm. you killed? So the, there's no, it's no wonder he's the retirement to, package. It leaves <laughs> something to be desired. It's great while you're there. Yeah, the uh, the transition of power stop. doesn't work out all that well, doesn't? But for ongoing yeah. influence, yeah, yeah, I'd say he's been. A significant figure, and I also don't think we've seen Putin's endgame. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of hints as to what it, what he wants it to be, but it'll be interesting to see if, in the providence of God, God actually lets him try, <laughs> mm. <laughs> or if he just you know falls off a bear in Siberia while he's riding around shirtless. Speaking and of dies. bear, oh, you're getting into uh, eschatology, eschatology references there. Oh, uh, <laughs> you see that new statue outside the UN? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> All right. All right. So 2008, Barack Appearance Obama. the first. Now, yeah. let me ask you, at the time this was awarded, where was he at in his political... Had he, he'd been elected? These and things get awarded yes. the year oh, wait. before, oh, wait. right? So 08 would have been elect- the election year, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So he, he would have been elected in 08, but had not actually been sworn in. Is that right? Am I getting that sequence right? Uh, well, this would have been referring to the man of 2008. So this would have been probably coming out in early 2009, right? And he would have been, so if he was elected in 08, then he would have been sworn in in January. Is that, is that when that happens? Uh, correct. So that is possible that he wasn't actually in the office yet. Only reason I try to run down that trail a little bit is, um, he, he hadn't, hadn't done anything, done anything yet. yet. This would yeah. be around the time when he won yeah. the Nobel Peace Prize and had not yet done anything. So the yeah. hope and the change slogan from 2008 <laughs> was, I think a lot of people weren't, yeah. you know, even if you didn't vote for him, I think there was still a point in time where you wished the best for even the guy you might not have mm-hmm. voted for. It's like, I hope mm-hmm. for the country this goes well. <laughs> yeah. I, in some ways, you almost needed to have awarded it to the media. Mm-hmm. Because I think this was one of the first times in my lifetime, at least, which admittedly is not that long, that there was such a clear anointed candidate. Oh, no doubt. By the upper, mm. by, by the establishment. Anointed in 2004, 
when he was an obscure, relatively obscure politician, no one had heard yeah. of, and he gave a speech at the Democratic National Convention mm. that year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I remember never having heard heard of him before, but hearing the yeah. speech and thinking, boy, that guy's a good speaker. And then afterwards, mm-hmm. the media started saying, this is presidential material. And yes. four so years later, I don't they... know when the memo first went out, but everybody <laughs> got right. it and they all said, we need, we understand the assignment here. And, uh, hmm. and just the, 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 you know, the picture you guys can't see of the, of the cover is that iconic, um, du- duotone red, blue, mm-hmm. um, uh, kind of a the, revolutionary say, iconography. That's, that's evocative it? of central American revolutionary yes. artwork and intentionally so. Mm-hmm. And so that, that became, uh, a, a factor, you know, Obama, I think genuinely was as an individual, um, a significant individual, but I think also the machine that learned how to do what it does so well in that election year has had an extremely enduring impact on American politics in the future. Mm-hmm. Not to say that the media and other groups have not influenced elections in the past, but there was, there was a level of, of skill and demonstrable results. I think that had not really been seen before. I think Uh, in a stroke of irony too, they wouldn't have known this in 2008 when they gave him this title, but I think in many ways, um, Obama was the beginning of the collapse of the Democratic National Party. True. Uh, true, he, true, true. He was the first to forge this idea of intersectional politics and this coalition of the of the uh, the disaffected and the marginalized. Yeah, and I think he that, brought the left into the liberal movement. Yeah. And, and mm. so that and that that same belief was if we can uh, for the Democratic Party is if we can just just get back to that coalition, <laughs> we can win again. And mm-hmm. and I I think that's caused a uh, yeah. a sinkhole beneath them. Yeah, because okay. there's a problem that the group that came in was glad to be invited in, but they don't like anybody else in the room. <laughs> so now that they're there, you can't actually make them work together anymore. Well, as we I'll say, so that was 2008, 2009. Yep. Ben Bernanke head and, of the uh, Fed Reserve. You're probably the expert on well, on, expert, on Doctor B. Not at all. But I I, I would say, being that 2008 was a massive collapse of the the home mortgage market and the and that caused an economic recession <laughs> the fed uh i'm still not quite sure about why the fed's so important but anyway they continue to cut interest mm. rates and and i guess that's why he was made man of the year <laughs> apparently <laughs> apparently so uh yes I do. I do want to say. I do think that we're in 2009. We were still looking at an era where the institutions were were upheld and, and honored True. and mm. and glorified, even idolized. I think the Fed is one of those areas that uh, it's this institution on which the country is founded. And I think we've seen. But he's also, it has I think, limits. part of the reason why some of those institutions no longer have that same <laughs> because he was willing to yank on levers and throw knobs that nobody else had ever dared to touch. And I think that that's long-term turned the fed into this stuffy, but reliable institution that we assume is taking care of our money. Now I, I can hear some of our listeners probably going, I've never liked the fed to begin with, you know? And so, yes, <laughs> I know there's a broader conversation about should the fed have ever existed, but I think in, in terms of general perception in the country, it was okay. The fed is this 
place where they make sure that money stuff does what money stuff is supposed to do. And then I think with the advent of quantitative easing and yanking interest oh, yes. rates all over the place and all that kind of stuff, it became a, it became a place of, of printers and magic. And that undermines... Well, that still is, yeah. exists today, right? We see right. this people, uh, oh, we can, if we just go print, right. if we have the Fed order from Treasury a trillion dollar coin, that solves mm-hmm. everything. And it's like, no, there, there are limits to what these institutions can right. do. For example, Fed, one of their biggest tools to help uh, since the 08 recession and the more recent issues with COVID uh, economic decline was, we'll just keep taking that lever on interest and we'll keep ratcheting it down closer and closer to zero. But the problem is once you get to zero, yes. what do you do now? <laughs> yeah. Start paying people <laughs> right. to borrow money. So there's Bernanke. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So I, I would, uh, I'd be curious if you could trace some of his policies and, th- and those of the administration that he was driving Directly to things like the rise of Bitcoin and and blockchain finances, you know, sort of these extra governmental currencies, because I I do think a lot of what was set in motion under him is still dramatically affecting the world today, but not as we anticipated it. Mm -hmm. It's affected it in people looking for alternative economic means by which to conduct business that are detached from what appears to no longer be anything but a game going on in government uh, uh, money and fiscal policy. That was a period, too, when phrases, it's always interesting, phrases you never heard before, and then suddenly you hear it for the first time, and Mm -hmm. then it becomes just a permanent part of the lexicon. Too big to fail. Yeah. Bailouts. That was was the Bernanke era. So then we go to 2010 and- There's um, a face on the front of this book. Now I've I've <laughs> Hey, see what yes, I did there. That was fantastic. Time magazine's a book. Yeah. Oh, I, I know, but <laughs> but Face Magazine wasn't as I, good yeah, of a transition. Facebook. Face what, Mag. Whether you think Mr. Zuckerberg is a genius or not, uh, you have to say the impact of Facebook as a platform unprecedented. Mm. Absolutely right. incredible what what they've accomplished over there, uh, for better or for worse, and probably a big a big chunk of it for worse, uh, but really interesting. Yeah, but, and the quote there underscores that it was less than seven years that this uh, social network went from nothing insignificant to connecting a twelfth of humanity into a single network twice as large as the United States of America. And that was in 2010. I think membership yes. is now like half the planet. Oh, it's, yeah, <clears throat> it's, right? it's, uh, it's not slow. Well, the, the great rate of growth has slowed, but it has not, I think, become a less significant part of, of what's shaping in the world today. I think the only company that perhaps has more influence would be Google and mm. people would say, oh, really? And I think that's part of the proof of their influence. <laughs> Simply because yeah. they control so much of the world's information, they do it pretty pretty subtly. But Facebook right. is just... Algorithmically control yes. it. <laughs> yeah, I have, a, you know, I have an objection to... I think they cheated on this next one, so I kind of have to protest uh, this. Oh, this, is another, yeah, this is another... So this is another cheat one. This is another bunt. Yeah, 2011 yes. time nominated... The protester. And it, uh, it should have been Protestants, right? Like, I feel like this is sort of amen. stealing our thing. Yeah. Um, the Protestant. But they got the, Protestant. The, yeah. the subtitles wrong. From the Arab Spring to Athens, from Occupy Wall Street to Moscow. Yeah. So uh, not the protests. Again, we, we think, we hear protests, we think of uh, the the summer where half the country burned, it felt like. Mm-hmm. But this was the OG protest year. 
Well, look at how ahead of their time they were, too. 2011, yeah. they nominate the protester in the pictures of someone wearing a mask. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. With a beanie. It's a winter. They knew. They knew. A mask in yes. winter. So, yeah, I think that's a but, too. And I got to say, too, this speaks to I, maybe a little bit of nostalgia that, a, that the generation that grew up in the 60s had mm-hmm. that protest and activism is this inherently value, virtuous <laughs> mm-hmm. activity. And um, it just feels like some people never got over the 60s and they want to get back right. to it. And even people that weren't alive in the 60s have been there's a, they've been injected with this mm-hmm. nostalgia about this, uh, this wonderful this, time. And these. Oh, sorry. I was going to say this picture reminds me. I know you've got something more serious to say, but <laughs> it reminds me of uh, of someone that uh, that walked out of the grocery store with a handful of goods <laughs> and, and, and no bag earlier. I saw earlier this week at uh, at Fred Meyer, and I oh, went, lovely. Can you imagine walking out of a grocery store with things in your hands because bags now cost money in in, in Spokane, in Washington? Wait, they were shoplifting, and, but uh, they didn't want to steal a bag. Well, well that's so. But, no, <laughs> but but that, we would have been like, wait, get that guy. He's stealing stuff before, right? right. Like two years ago. But now that's normal you know the stocking cap pull or uh, you know a nice cap pulled down way tight over the you know right above the eyes and then a mask up to your you know covering your nose sunglasses and so yeah you're like yeah. that guy's gotta be a shoplifting looks like every cct image of a bank robber you've ever seen and now that's how we're supposed to dress and, and, yes. and if you didn't bring a bag that's how you're supposed to do is carry it out don't you yeah. feel that way Sorry. a good citizen anyway <laughs> same, you, same picture if yes, you go into exactly. if you go into fred meyer you go into albertson's wherever you go and you buy one thing and they ask they ask you now do you want to buy a bag? And of course not. But don't you feel like, I don't know, as I'm walking out, like I have to have the receipt really obvious. I did buy this because I feel yes. like I look like I stole something. Right. All right. So the protester. Yeah, I, I, I'm there is a it's something about modern progressive culture that seems to idolize mm-hmm. protest. Yeah. Just for the sake of protest. And I've never really. Uh, let's just say I don't agree. I, <laughs> it depends no. what you're protesting. Yeah, <clears throat> and how you protest it. Yeah. So what what we're talking about when we talk about the protester is is people that are that will riot, right? That that yes. in all the instances that are being labeled here, it's people that will riot. Mm-hmm. And I I do think that there's been some enduring influence from that in that it has normalized behavior that up until that point would have been in the West <laughs> universally seen to be unlawful and unruly and something that should be stopped, right? Mobs, mobs should not be allowed to just mob, get your huge group. We're not, cause we're not talking like million man March, right? We're not talking about thousands of people watch marching around Washington, DC, like they do for the pro-life movement or something every year saying, we want to see change. We're specifically talking about people that break windows, light stuff on fire, yell, scream, vandalize that. That's what we're talking about. And that that behavior has been normalized, but I also think uh, this wasn't as big as a, a big a deal as they thought it was. So I yes. remember when the Arab Spring was the Arab Spring, the Arab Spring, the Middle East mm-hmm. is going to change. It ended up being a spasm, right? And well, I think over there, because uh, they're less woke, they knew it was going to be a spasm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they didn't change anything. And a year, a year later, when all the cameras left. Everybody was like, well, I guess I'm hungry now. Yeah. I'll have to become part of the system. Mm. There's the, the quote right here from the article. In 2011, right. protesters didn't just voice their complaints. They changed the world. Or did they? I think that's <laughs> Don't we live in this time? Um, yep. If you look at the nominations before, uh, and, and as we, even as we mm-hmm. move forward, so many of these 
have been awarded to people or groups that haven't actually done anything yet. It's like this hope yes. that it will change the world. And, and, and did it dominate that year? Yes. Yeah. But did it change the world? Not, I think, in any of the ways that they had anticipated. Mm. Those governments in those places are still just as Wall corrupt Street, and authoritative. Still there. Still <laughs> just as corrupt. Uh, interesting. Yeah. So then we go to 2012. Yes. And Barack Obama gets a second Part one. Part the second. And, uh, defeating Mitt Romney. And I'm not sure mm-hmm. why. Now, kind by of the an way, ominous cover. It is. It's uh, the first cover in 2008. Very hopeful. Had that, had revolutionary. that hopeful Latin Marxist yes. revolutionary look. This one is. Viva la change. This one kind of looks like a funeral. It does. Pallor. Uh, yeah. Dark gray. Uh, not a flattering shot of the former president either. By the way, I, I don't know about you guys. I did not. There are some people who really disliked Barack Obama. Mm. I never felt that way. I, I didn't as like a, as an individual. As an individual, they even and I really okay. thought as an individual, at least this guy seems to be a good husband. He seemed to be a good dad. You know, what do I know? I live thousands of miles Especially away. Especially by DC standards. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So, and that's uh, true. I sat down to have a beer with that guy once. I mean, that was a photo op if you ever seen one. But I, you didn't dislike him as a person. At least I didn't. Now his policies, especially second term, mm-hmm. were radically. Um, I would say offensive and mm. uh, the issues he chose yeah. to position all the weight of the white house behind were radically at odds with my values. So that sure. was a different issue, but as a person, um, never, mm-hmm. never felt the vitriol that I think yeah. sometimes we heard about. And yeah, personality wise, you have to argue that he conducted himself with a considerable Degree of presidentiality, if you want to use that as a word, Brilliant compared to yeah. especially other candidates whose policies we might have agreed with more. Oh, we'll get to him. Not entirely, oh, but more. Have, have I given but there's a contrast. <laughs> um, yes, I, I do think he's had more of an impact than that maybe we fully realize in allowing certain conversations to take place. Um, and and. Most people probably think of conversations about race and equality and that sort of a thing. Those, those conversations were taking place. I don't know yeah. that, that that his presidency marked healing in our nation. Uh, I think it introduced categories that over the long term have been divisive. Yes. Because uh, that's where a lot of the intersectional language um, began to to really build steam and the basic badness of whiteness and and that sort of thing. So that I don't think that was helpful. But I even just mean... He was the first president to say, we need to redefine what religious liberty means, right? Uh-huh. He, he touched a lot of sacred cows that uh, nobody had touched since the Constitution was written because they knew that was out of limits. Uh, but he he went there. And, and having mm-hmm. gone there, people much more radical than he at least publicly was have gone there. Also, he was the transition candidate on issues leading up to the Obergefell position, et cetera, who would get into office saying, I believe one thing, and then conveniently evolve on all those issues and then bring the full weight of the administration down on the other side to, to advance causes. So yeah. I, I think he was very pivotal. And not even 10 years ago. Uh, right. Uh, clearly a radical at the time, especially second term. But now, probably not even radical enough in terms of his views then to even be considered a primary candidate. Sure. Uh, interesting. So how the re- Should we call him the respectable radical? Yeah. And, and a brilliant politician. Excellent speaker. Uh, I think if you listen. Excellent speaker. If you yeah. go back and listen to his ideas, there's not a real coherent vision behind them. 
Yeah. Uh, but these days, as long as what you say sounds good, it doesn't mm. matter if your mm. ideas make sense. He had a very effective cadence. Uh, nobody will. You know, there's the official Obama cadence now, speak- of delivering sentences very simply <laughs> with the pause. That's right. I'm going to speak it like that. And so, I know uh, that's 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 not how he sounded. Not at all. I that's tried. Bob Dill. I, <laughs> Bob Dill's coming through. So that uh, in in the yes. So as I look at speaking of a walking contradiction, mm. let's go to our next mm. Times Man of the Year and and one of the. Old questions of of uh, of history that suddenly has become an actual question. <laughs> this mm. is one of the great questions, isn't it? Is the, perfect, the Pope is the Catholic? Catholic. <laughs> yes. For those of you who have been, haven't heard this term, you have been robbed. Yes. Of, anytime you're asked a question, <laughs> Nate, do you like ice cream? Is the Pope Catholic? Or the alternative, does the Pope wear a funny hat? Lots of different variations. But this is a legitimate question. Is Pope Francis, right. who was Times Man of the Year in 2013, is he a Catholic? <laughs> Right. Hard to say sometimes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And interesting footnote, uh, we have two popes <laughs> in the world today. Is that a first? Because you don't know. There no. was um, the, um, the Avignon first way. Pa- Was it the Avignon papacy? Um, that uh, was when there was the, the two main popes in the past and they so were what's, fighting. What's Ratzinger's? But, but this was the first time it's happened in this way. That's for sure. Yes. Yeah. Where one pope says, ah, he doesn't die and just goes, I'm stepping out. Yeah. Enough. Yeah. Uh, Ratzinger was... Uh, Benedict. Some, some called him the German shepherd. I love that. The uh, yep. He was pope for how long? A few years? It didn't seem long at all. <laughs> Not before long. Before he resigned. Gee. Yeah. And that had was, all the... You know, that, that definitely smelled like a specific calculated pivot on the part of the Roman Catholic Church. So coming out of John Paul II, who had had some interesting, moderately unorthodox yeah, ideas, was- the Catholic Church just felt like the conservative movement had won a battle and said, we need a, a theological bulldog back in the Vatican. Mm-hmm. And so they, they hired one. And what? then no, it was that special smoke that the Holy Smoke. Holy smoke yeah. that's, that's, affirmed that's the decision. When he, that's yes. when you knew. That's they, when you knew he was hired. They were in conclave. <laughs> anyway. What's that white smoke? He called? was eight years. I didn't realize it was eight years. Two thousand five to two thousand thirteen. Okay, we ought to do that here. Make a decision and blast some white smoke out there. There we go. Be cool. yeah. We need a chimney first, but we should do that. <laughs> and then, uh, then it was like they did polls, and they realized we're not polling well with the younger generation. And uh, the future is moving towards this inclusive, um, more generous orthodoxy. And so well, we, we need a Jesuit. <laughs> you know, right. From Latin America. Uh, from Latin America. Too, that that'll bring part of the that'll bring them back in. So, yeah. And that's uh, that has caused a fair bit of consternation because he has mastered the art of saying things that communicate a very strong message about one thing to the general world, but don't technically violate Roman Catholic law in such a way that it can't be walked back to within orthodoxy. Well, because mm. Vatican usually has to follow up with some kind of release to clarify what the right. Pope meant, right? Yes. <laughs> and, and it's of course, not, not the, what he nobody, said. <laughs> nobody cares about the clarification because it's this, <laughs> right. you know, verbose, technical, well, this theology, this word, and this, the, you know, and, uh, but the main point that he's trying to communicate does get across, which is I'm making a play for everybody and I'm signaling a more inclusive generation for the church. 
Um, but will that be able to take place while still holding on to the Orthodox views of the Catholic Church? I don't know. And we have an Italian expert here. Yes. Do you think uh, the Roman Catholic Church will Italy still be Italy? Um, yeah, I mean, this was a really tough <laughs> whole thing for... Yeah, sorry, I missed your exact question because I got a little text message pop up on my computer oh. from my family. Oh, yeah? But, uh, you know, the 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 topic in general... <laughs> Um, <laughs> do you want to restate the question? Yeah, what was your question? <laughs> do you, so the next the next pope after oh, Francis yeah. does the next pope after Francis oh. look more like Ratzinger or more like Bono? Oh yeah, well, <laughs> so Bono would be a good pope. Yeah, I, that, that's that's a that's a good question. I you know this this whole thing sent shockwaves through at least the, 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 the true Catholics in Italy. Um, yeah. yeah, it still does to some degree, but they've kind of learned to deal with it. You know, a little bit. I mean, it, it is what it is. But it's, it's even got the Eastern Orthodox fathers dealing with exactly <laughs> these days. Seems like you talk to anybody that's um, part of a diocese outside of Los Angeles, New York, and Chicago. They San don't Francisco. like they don't like this pope. Like uh, anybody that took their Catholicism seriously. <laughs> Even if not in practice, in terms of knowledge and belief, does does not have a favorable opinion of this pope, or even yeah. if they really like him, are at least concerned about what what does this mean for the teachings of the church? Well, exactly, because it, yeah, and so so yeah, I mean, I, I could see it going either way. I think it will be either, though. I think I think that you've hit something. It will either be a a, a strong return that hopefully doesn't decide to retire before. You know, because it gets too tough. Because that person will be a bullet sponge. Yes. If they start laying down the law. Well, they, well yeah. Well, they, they will. And so it'll either be somebody like that, a, a, a real reforming of the Catholic Church, maybe not in the sense that we would like it to be reformed. Right. But, but uh, of the Catholic Church. And then, or it will be a complete... Um, a complete departure from everything that it's held. I mean, he, we're getting there already with with Francis, but but mm-hmm. even more so, and it'll be a just yeah. a, a a popular spiritual spiritual leader, spiritual in the um, doing air quotes on spiritual, <laughs> yeah. but a spiritual leader, um, Oprah or somebody like that becomes the next pope. You know? So Francis is kind <laughs> so, of the Joel Osteen of Bell, the Church sorry. of Rome. Um, you know, it's kind of got that appeal. And this quote is actually what made me even think mm. that. This quote from the article was, John Paul II and Benedict Sixteenth were professors of theology. Francis is a former janitor, nightclub bouncer, chemical technician, and literature teacher. So you see the contrast there to someone who actually yes. knows what they believe, to someone that's more of a, uh, a, man a of common the man, a yeah. man of the people. Yeah. So he's still alive, still kicking. I think the jury's still out on what his long-term impact will be, mm-hmm. because at some point, I don't think he can play this game forever. At some point, either the Cardinals within his own church are going to call him out, um, or some situation is going to make it impossible for him to to dance on the head of that needle, and he's going to have to either say, "I'm bringing my papal authority down on the side of changing millennia-old <laughs> Catholic teachings," or um, I've been flirting with this for a while, but no, I really, I really am going to stand with the historical teachings of the Catholic Church. And and then there's going to be a massive outcry of you've been playing us, and so he, I think he's going to be forced eventually off that ledge. He's stayed on it longer than I had anticipated, though. So we'll see how that goes. You've touched on the inherent politics of the Roman Church, which is really mm-hmm. in, yeah. in the midst of all that we're talking about politicking. How how popes are selected, 
how ideas are communicated and, and, and over time, mm-hmm. potentially how doctrine gets shifted. Uh, it's mm-hmm. kind of interesting. Uh, the old magisterium. Mm-hmm. Ebola fighters. Yeah. You know, this one I don't think is a bunt. My take is this is a strong double. Mm-hmm. I, I, okay. Because. Not a home run though. No, I don't think so. Because again, it's not a person of the mm-hmm. year. It's kind of this broad, everyone's a hero sort of thing. Now talk about like back then Ebola was the big threat and everybody was afraid it. And this was yep. nothing compared to what COVID did to the world economy and policy around the world. If I'm going to meet a virus in a dark alley, I'd rather meet COVID than Ebola though. No doubt. <laughs> yes. No doubt. And that's probably. Yes. Uh, uh, so as far as yeah. <laughs> how, how widespread this, uh, this, you know, health crisis spread. Yeah. Just orders of magnitude more contained, mm-hmm. but as far as how serious it was as a disease, mm-hmm. yikes. Yeah. <laughs> so, Yep. Yep. There, so, yeah. You didn't see a lot of conspiracy theories about Ebola. No, no. It's not that bad. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. fake bleeding out of your orifices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, brutal. Mm. So that was 2014, yep. 2015. There Angela we go. Merkel, German chancellor. I'm I tr- think. Was this, this, okay, I'm looking at the notes here. Mm-hmm. This was that period mm-hmm. of the Greek debt crisis, which mm-hmm. was eking into the EU, Germany mm-hmm. had essentially loaned countless, you know, they could never possibly repay yeah. these loans to Greece and Greece. Well, it was, became so clear in this period of time that the, the, the country calling the shots for the EU was Germany. Germany. Yeah. They were the only place with enough resources and, and enough leadership capital to really call the shots. Mm-hmm. I, now, have you heard this? I don't know a lot about Angela, but I, I, I've heard that she is a person of character, whether or not you agree with her policies, that that she is... Um, she's endured yeah. in shark-infested yeah. waters for forever. You, well, she's you, being... She's got a successor now, right? They're, they're yeah, I think she's, power. yeah, I think she's lost the majority so, and now has... Like, but yeah, but yeah. Just, there's no question... She's a highlight mm-hmm. figure in German politics. Definitely seeing historically a speaking. trend, though, in Times Person of the Year nominations. By and large, politicians, <clears throat> uh, first responders, the big large. So when they do get specific to a person, it seems to be political, or I guess in the case of Pope Francis, religious, but he is essentially a religious politician. Um, but those kinds of individuals so far. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I think I think she deserved the nod. Um, again, there's I don't know that I've actually talked to somebody that either completely likes or completely doesn't like <laughs> her. I don't know. It seems like uh, most people have some mixed impression of her impact, but everybody agrees that she has had a massive impact. And speaking of people that everybody agrees have had an impact, but do tend mm-hmm. to be more polarized. That brings us to 2016, which something happened that year. Yes. The Apprentice? Did it win? <laughs> Is that what happened? The Apprentice went, went global? I think, I think The Apprentice, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, boy. So Donald Trump, yeah, yep. Times Man of the Year for 2016, in many ways, and I think there's they'll be writing books on this for a long time, in many ways, he's kind of the mirror of Barack Obama. Very different in terms of character and style, but in terms of his political impact and the fact that he was, uh, I mean, Bar- Obama came out of nowhere, but through mm-hmm. kind of the, the anointing but, of, of, the, yes, of with the, the support the of the bureaucracy, everywhere. Right. Um, 
Trump came out of nowhere, not by pulling together an intersectional coalition, but pulling together a coalition of the dismarginalized and the forgotten mm-hmm. and a surprise win. I, th- I don't yes, think anybody was predicting him. I think, I think, I th- got to think, I think his presidential campaign started with him saying to someone, hold my beer, watch this. And then he wins the election and he's getting, I, don't, I think even he was stunned election night. Maybe not. Well, so just recently, Hillary Clinton <laughs> sat down and read excerpts from what she had thought was going to be her victory speech yeah, that, that year. That wasn't a little cringe worthy hearing that. It's sad. Um, but listen, I mean, if you want to see a magazine trying to maintain the sense of some uh, objectivity while dripping with fury and mm-hmm. hatred, listen to this paragraph for reminding America that demagoguery feeds on despair and that truth is only as powerful as the trust in those who speak it for empowering a hidden electorate uh, by mainstreaming its furies and live streaming its fears and for, for, for framing tomorrow's political culture by demolishing yesterday's Donald Trump is time uh, 2016 person of the year. <laughs> I think their tribute to Putin was much nicer than that. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> it's like I, I'm surprised they didn't just like include free darts with this edition, so you could hang it on your wall and throw darts at his picture because that's essentially what they're saying. Yes. In the image of him is is kind of intimidating. Oh He's yeah. got this hard look on Looking his face. Away and yeah. Turn, uh, yeah. And then as we commented earlier in this particular CBS News article, it's highlighting all the past years winners for the last 25 years. They do make sure that they include like a very dumpy picture of Donald Trump mm-hmm. to put next to the picture of him on the Time Magazine <laughs> cover, just so that you know we don't like this guy. I do think the double mm-hmm. picture is hilarious. So, like, as if you didn't like, who on earth doesn't know who the guy on the left is? Yes, right? yes. <laughs> the guy on the left though could be mistaken for an imposing figure. So let's make sure that we find another picture that we think makes him look a little more ridiculous. Incredible. Right. I do think the Trump right. derangement syndrome ought to be nominated as a person of the year. Maybe that's next year because <laughs> yeah. it still continues. No, that wasn't next year. Mm-hmm. Well, 2017. The Silence Breakers is what it was yes. called. And also this is, known as the Me Too movement. That's right. Yes. That's yeah. right. Now, the Me Too movement was prevalent, and I think it brought a lot of abusive people to account. Some mm, of yes. them even to yeah. legal account, which I think is a, a big step in the right mm-hmm. direction. What I find interesting is how quickly, talk about fizzle, how quickly this has gone away as well. It, di- wasn't it that long diluted. Ago. And I think, yeah, I think more than, more than fizzled, it, it dissolved and it dissolved because people took me too, to refer to anything and everything. Yeah. And so you finally, it's, it's absolutely the fact that many individuals who have been sinned against in horrific ways have not said anything about it for a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. And this... Um, you know, the courage of some, of some women that came forward and, and said, Hey, I'm willing to risk my career, my reputation. I'm willing to relive nightmares because some of these evils need to stop that, you know, that was part of the, the impetus of this movement. Uh, but then it got picked up by everything from, uh, that, you know, horrific crimes like that to, I rode on a subway today and I saw a man who didn't keep his knees together. He was man spreading. Yes. That was a microaggression mm-hmm. hashtag me too. And, and, um, it, it, it diluted itself to the point where it lost its ability, I think, to, mm. to maintain, uh, power. Uh, and that's, that's unfortunate mm. because there's a lot more me too things that need to happen. This world 
still is full of evil people that need to be yeah. uh, given accountability. But that's really hard to to do when when these um, when these movements come to mean anything and everything. Make a good point there about how um, oh we we are in an era now where everyone that is disliked gets called is compared to Nazis. And <laughs> right. it's like, oh, when everybody's goodness. a Nazi, nobody's no a Nazi. And, yeah. and you're spot on about mm. this, where they're legitimate sins and mm-hmm. legitimate offenses and when everything is called a, a violent offense then right. the the truly violent offenses get the severity of them is lost mm. the other uh, the other thing that i think ended up hurting this movement was it brought with it a a sense or a hunt for vengeance that became disconnected from a pursuit of justice mm. So that if somebody raised an accusation, it was morally wrong to investigate the facts of the case, right? To not immediately believe the accusation. And even though that was the rhetoric was, of course, you have to believe the accuser. I think the fact that that was just so disconnected from what people know actual Mm. justice looks like. And there were some notable instances where it was just patently false, the accusations that were being made. That sucked a lot of the energy out of the Me Too movement as well, right? If the Me Too movement had stayed fixated on true justice against true evil, yeah, I think it would have been an enduring and and culture shaping movement. Instead, it's you know the, the Me Too movement is often called the fourth wave of feminism, right? Mm-hmm. There's just been three waves of feminism that had generation long impacts. The Me Too movement made it about a year. Do you think the Brett Kavanaugh situation actually? caused this to fizzle a bit, where you had someone coming out making accusations that were completely unsubstantiated, whether they were true or not, <laughs> right. they were unsubstantiated Keyword. and they were decades after supposedly they happened. And Which again is not, the time gap is not the problem. Right. Because if something happened that was evil a long time ago, it's still and, evil. You didn't, and you didn't yeah. say anything at the time, and you're saying something now, that doesn't mean it wasn't evil <laughs> right? because it was so long in coming. But like you said, the inability to substantiate the claims... The other thing I think blew this up um, was the fact that the me the, the Me Too movement became politicized yes. rather quickly and exactly. only aimed itself at certain mm-hmm. kinds of people, mm. typically conservative. Yeah, it became a bludgeon. Yeah, and on the left side, there were discredit. people that were given passes, so to speak. So, right. Uh, what's interesting is is the way that yeah. even how a, did Kavanaugh get Kavanaugh and Clinton didn't get Clinton? You right. know, or Biden didn't get Biden. Uh, right. You know these. Uh, so I think I think it just brings attention back to even in this polarized time, uh, people, you, it, these movements can indeed discredit themselves and sometimes do. Not that the original movement was was an issue, right? Uh, it was legitimate. So, so to those who had yeah. the courage to start saying true things in what was a very personally risky and personally costly and painful way. Bravo. You deserve mm-hmm. a cover on Time Magazine to the movement as it quickly evolved to become often mm-hmm. away from where it started. Um, it has not had enduring impact because it diluted itself to the point of of another Twitter hashtag. Mm-hmm. I think if anything, it exposed the entertainment industry as the cesspool <laughs> that we all suspected it was. Yeah. Uh, and, a, and probably the greatest irony of the Me Too movement. <laughs> well, well, uh, mm-hmm. that takes us to 2018. Uh, 
2018, and the person of the year this year mm-hmm. was called the Guardians. Again, it was a group, dun, 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 uh, dun, and these dun. were Chris. Remind me, this was these were a group of journalists mm-hmm. that had been prosecuted, tortured, some of them even killed, persecuted for sure, cut up into little pieces and smuggled out in diplomatic pouches. And be, <laughs> ew, in and one real, case, actually happened, and, and yes. be, because wow. they were uncovering stories, information, facts that were damaging to governmental regimes. Is that generally where this came from? Yeah. Right. Uh, And, and that was an interesting, it was an interesting thing because you saw the, this is, you know, they made it on the cover of time magazine, but you also saw the media establishment around the world rallying to the cause of its own, which is understandable. That's, that's, (laughs) you know, That'll get your attention if your fellow employees and other organizations are being cut up into little pieces. Mm. Uh, There was, in in a number of these cases, a significant sugarcoating of the fact that some of these quote-unquote journalists were sort of using journalistic um, safety as a cover for actually being agents working for other government entities, and that can get you killed. Um, There were some other cultural and religious uh, backgrounds to a lot of these things that were also not often acknowledged. And so they were, uh, you have to remember this is the time when um, they are trying to make the case that Donald Trump is stuffing their ability as journalists to do their job. And they know it's too petty if they put themselves on the cover of Time Magazine and say, Donald Trump's persecuting me. So this was also part of them elevating a narrative that Donald Trump is just like these foreign governments murdering journalists because he... um, doesn't do or say what we think he should say. He doesn't give us the interviews that we think he should give us. Or he's mean to us. Yeah, Yeah. whatever it is. So, um, or yeah, or he keeps saying stuff about how you guys shouldn't be allowed to do that. And, ah, (laughs) you know, so, um, you know, they gave a complete pass to the journalistic stuffing that took place underneath a previous administration. But, uh, so again, there's context here Yeah, and, uh, journalism can get you killed. And there have been brave journalists that have put truth above personal safety and have paid the ultimate price for it. And there's also people that are very happy to let other people be martyrs for their cause. <laughs> and I think that's a little bit of what's going on here, too. Mm-hmm. So that brings us to 2019 Greta Thunberg. Times Thunberg here. I thought it was Thun, but I could Not be sure. off. I haven't talked to her specifically. Okay. <laughs> I'm afraid if I did, she'd yell at me the whole time. And I wouldn't even know why, but I think she would yell at me. I will say, well, I, I think that this is a young woman... That um, that I probably don't agree with her t- style. Well, I know I don't agree with her style. I do. I do admire her sincerity. I do. There, there is something to be said for. Uh, but she's been her, di- she's been her. discipled well, and she's a true believer. And for her, yeah. commi- <laughs> well, for her so, commitment well, to her cause. Right? Yes. So I was going to say yes. I mean, I you know one of the things I, I loved and appreciated when we worked with middle school here at the church was that you get especially young ladies, but but. Sometimes the young men, but but especially the young ladies that would come in to the youth ministry that were new, you know, kind of coming up in from like sixth grade, you know, new sixth graders. Anyway, and you would see that they would, uh, especially on our uh, the nights when we would have uh, um, Q and A, they often didn't really have a question or, but they had something to say, and they would articulate it very well. And uh, and, and I was always impressed with, especially with our, our young ladies, because. But the ones that had that something to say, 
I know the parents, so I know exactly where that something to say came from and where yeah. that passion came from for that specific thing, whether good or bad, or whether we would agree or disagree, or whether it was political or spiritual, <laughs> but but you you knew that that was something that they had gone at home, right? And so uh, there's a, a family or, a, or at least a parent, a family member or a parent that is passionate about this thing that has done a good job of discipling this child uh, in this topic. So, And it's also the right topic for a progressive establishment. They like this topic, right? Sure. If, if her passion project mm-hmm. was pro-life oh, yeah. and she and she handled herself with the same passion, sincerity, <laughs> and commitment, she, we would not know her name. Sure. Um, sure. So I think this was uh, not, to, not to be dismissive of what she's accomplished but, at her age. The governor of our state loves, loves this topic. Yeah. I, I think, um, anyway, so I, now was it, go back to this, <laughs> other than her famous speech at the UN where she... <laughs> yelled mm-hmm. at the delegates uh, is I'm not sure why she's the person of the year. Uh, maybe because it's like no, no one is paying any more attention to the climate now than they were before. So yeah, uh, I do think though she is representative of what was a, a culture wide experiment that year, which was have a bunch of adults get a bunch of kids all over the place, really mad and tell them exactly what to be mad about then record them being mad and say, look, our children are shaming the adults because of their superior morality. And if adults are like, that's ridiculous, you abuse children. Mm. Right. And that became a, it became a, a, a long stream of trying to adopt a position that you can't morally critique. Otherwise, they, they hit you with an ad hominem argument that you're really mean. And you saw that with, with Greta. If, if somebody had commented, you know, there was some, some uh, some health related things going on there. If you had commented on that, then you were a terrible person. How but if dare you, you but if you critiqued her position, you're picking on a young lady with these health conditions. Yes, and so it became this sort of ha ha ha. We we have a gotcha. We we've found somebody who will say what we want to be said that you're not allowed to criticize, and and that's a that's a play that not just the left or whatever uses. Conservatives are often guilty of this too. Uh, but it's it's not a legitimate way to actually come to any kind of um, in, intelligent conclusions on any issue. It's not an argument. It's yeah. not. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not an argument in and of itself. And so I think this was also the rise of the year of using children as the shields of leftist ideology. And it was it was when the left realized we can we can disciple children. <laughs> so do you think this, instead of waiting and getting them in college, as you noted, this experiment, do you think this experiment kind of fizzled like the others? Uh, was it kids that went to, was it Diane Feinstein's office or was it Nancy yeah. Pelosi's oh, office yeah. to, to, to berate who, whichever it was. Yep. And, and she pretty much lectured them and put them in their place. And, yep. and she took some flack for that, but it stopped, <laughs> but it stopped. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that, that, they ended up, and that's part of the challenge of doing these sorts of things is because the left's always eating its own. Yeah. Um, children's crusades in history have never been successful. Yep. <laughs> Stop making children be the front line of cultural battles. That's something for adults to do who are willing to own up to their arguments and take responsibility for their conclusions. The other thing that changes with child activists, and I think this is a sh- shame that these kids are sometimes used or hijacked. The other thing is as they grow up, they're not as appealing. There's mm-hmm. something different about a 25-year-old lecturing a room from a 14-year-old lecturing a room. Yeah. It's not as interesting, and frankly, it's it's kind of distasteful. So I, I hope 
because as you said, the left does eat, eat their young. They are kind of a cannibalistic group, the progressives. Yes. Um, I really do hope in her case that, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. that they pay her more respect than they've mm -hmm. paid others. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's something very wholesome about a child demonstrating that they have inculcated cultural values. You know, if you go to a ball game and there's somebody who's singing the, the Pledge of Allegiance or something, a young person, uh, everybody sort of looks at that and says, that's really cool. But if that same young person strolled out and grabbed the mic and started yelling at all the adults about how dumb you are and, you know, you're going to destroy my future and all this kind of stuff, um, there's a sense of that doesn't feel as appropriate, right? Now, there can be children have absolutely every right to speak truth, but they need to do so from the position of being a child. And, and part of our job as parents is teaching our children how to respect their elders respect those in positions of authority and just age over them uh, and, and not radicalize them and, and turn them into, you know what, that impulsivity, that proneness to outbursts of anger, that sense that you're the only one that understands what's wrong with the world. And if everybody would just listen to you, that all our problems would be fixed. That's a that's universal a, that's condition. A, yeah, <laughs> that's a great thing. I'm really glad you do that. Let me spin you up and aim you at my enemy and my turn enemy. you loose. Yes. No, don't do that. I was say, that sounds like every preteen you've ever encountered. There's just, there's something and we oh, yeah. we've all lived through it. There's oh, yeah. a, you have this sense, a total, a total lack of awareness that mm. there's been thousands mm. of years of history before you. These issues have been grappled with, with every mm -hmm. generation. And suddenly, because I've just become aware of it because I'm a sophomore uh, yes. or whatever year you happen to be. And uh, I mean, we were all, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm critiquing myself even in this. We've it's, all had this. Mm -hmm. What you have when you've begun to encounter adult ideas and you've not yet had to shoulder, shoulder adult responsibilities. There's yeah. a humbling That's that comes with shouldering the adult responsibilities that prepares you to then speak to your world. And so, yeah, again, I, I'm not a fan of weaponizing our children. I do think that that's begun to taper off. Like you said, I don't think that's going to become, um, children are going to constantly be used. You know, the it's for the children meme is going to, is going to stay there, but I don't know that we're going to keep putting our children in front of microphones to mm -hmm. yell at our adults as much. Caleb, who was the singer? I've got this song playing in my head. The, I believe the children are the future. <laughs> oh yeah. Teach them well and let oh, them lead no. the way. Show them all I'll the beauty they that. possess inside. <laughs> 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 Gotta find out who that was. That is the anthem for that, that, that movement. Uh, well, Caleb, <laughs> yep. as you look that up, we We're get almost to, to the present person times persons yes. of the year. This person is one last and year. person two. And boy, my goodness, do Wait, you Houston. think uh, person and vice person, this would be uh, the president Joe Biden and vice president Kamala Harris were given the, the honor of times people of the year last uh, this year, earlier this year. Mm -hmm. How do you think this is, this suit is fitting on these two now, boy, with public, with polling numbers in record lows with, uh, <laughs> with dissatisfaction at all well, time. high. I, I just want to set this up. <laughs> You remember my little blurb I read about Trump? Yeah. Yes. For changing the American story, for showing that the forces of empathy are greater than the furies of division, for sharing a vision of healing in a grieving world. Ooh. Yeah. That's their I, paragraph. Wow. <laughs> Holy moly. Uh, so, yes. Uh, sometimes, well, I tell you, these descriptions tell you more about the writer than they tell you Holy about the, the people who've been nominated. Yeah. Uh, this is one. 
We're hoping for change. Oh wait, we already used that. I mean, I, again, it's in. in <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I think the whole reason we know that these two were nominated in one is because they were replacing Trump, <laughs> and the hatred for Trump was deep and yes. wide. The uh, but I go back to as we've gone through this list, uh, it is repeatedly people that are either activists or politicians. Mm-hmm. With rare exception, it's not been anyone that builds anything. It's yes. not been anyone that has done something that actually people can point at and say, yes, that's different. My life is better because of that. Even in the case of the Pope, the whole reason he was, I mean, Ratzinger, Benedict, I don't think he was made a person of the year. The whole reason mm-hmm. that Francis made the made the list was because he's socially provocative and, mm-hmm. and he's left-leaning and he's a bit of a Marxist at heart. And so it's really interesting to me, it goes back to this theme which I guess is going to take us to this year. We just found <laughs> I was out. like, you're, you're excited to get to your homeboy. Well, there. He's a, all, we're it, not quite there. I'm, I'm astonished that, yeah. that he, that, that this year's winner who was just announced. Well, wait, we got to finish this one. So you're jumping ahead. I go you're back to, ahead. it's hard. I, I'm watching all the right. clock a little bit, but yeah, the, in this case, probably way over in this case, we have two, <laughs> oh, we have a career politician who's never built anything. Yep. I'm not trying to be rude of, to him in particular, but a, a career politician, 40, 50 years in D.C. with not much to show for it. His biggest mm-hmm. his biggest contribution is that he said yes to running against Trump. And I would mm-hmm. dare say um, it has not certainly not gone well. I'm not. No, not just as a well, just evaluating him on the standards that time set him up for. Has he been a force of empathy against the furies of division? No, it's no. gotten worse. No, he hasn't. No. Has he shared a vision of healing in a grieving world? No, mm-hmm. no, he hasn't. Uh, has he produced any metric in this nation that is trending in a way that's healthy for the flourishing of humanity? It's difficult to find them. He hasn't even yeah. changed the American story, which is the first line there. In fact, I think this will be a presidency that is quickly forgotten <laughs> intentionally yeah. by his own party. And, yep. and by, you know, the, the other side is let's move on. So, mm-hmm. I, and I, yeah. and I gotta say, I think this His is job sad. was to get the ball back. I, I, hate, <laughs> yeah. so. I hate seeing our political leaders, regardless of what pin they mm-hmm. carry on their lapel. I hate seeing them fail because ultimately mm-hmm. we pay the price, uh, sometimes <laughs> tangibly, mm-hmm. uh, pay that price. And it's, it's a pity. I, uh, pray, I pray for all our sakes that it gets better because my goodness, we're only n- 11, 12 months into this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So he may end up presiding over what will be a, a long-term impactful sea change in the course of the nation. But I, I don't see in particular where Joe Biden will, through force of personality, charisma, just his presidential acumen, I don't see him being a figure. Nobody's going to refer to him like they would a Winston Churchill. You notice they right. didn't just nominate him, by the way. I find right. it interesting they nominated yes. Kamala yes, as well. Exactly. It's it's <laughs> what he represents. Yep. So yeah, um, yeah. There are people who, like I mentioned, Churchill. Yeah, that people will say he was a man for the times. You know, right. he was the man of the hour. Nobody, I think, in the in the future will ever refer to Biden in that language. Uh, Kamala remains to be seen, <laughs> um, but I do think they may refer to the the Biden presidency as, as a turning point, uh, much in the way that they refer to the Obama presidency or even the Trump presidency as depending on your perspective mm-hmm. as, as turning points, but not primarily because of them, but because of the people that they represent the, the cause that they, that mm-hmm. they are allowing to move forward. But 
we finally reach the meteoric rise of somebody who specializes in meteoric rising. Ooh, well said. So uh, Time just released its person of the year for 2021, and it's Elon Musk. And, there you go. Uh, a... Uh, I, I, it's funny as in, can you scroll down just a bit here, Chris? I was trying to oh, see what how they, his blurb. There yeah, we go. So here's his blurb here from is. time person of the year is a marker of influence and few, <laughs> in, <laughs> which I think we've finished, finished, finished. Finish. <laughs> and few individuals have had more influence than Musk on life on earth and potentially life off earth too. I'm, actually, I think that's a poorly written sentence, but it is. We're going to give editor <laughs> because it's chief. written by somebody who doesn't like him, and you can tell <laughs> this is what you call hedging right <laughs> off the bat. It's just hilarious, and I don't even know if that's an intentional thing, but it's that's right? an apology right up front. Is we're not saying that this is somebody we like. Like person of the year doesn't mean that we think he's a good guy. Just, just so you know, like this is just trying to mark influence. <laughs> And like on that on that metric, he's influential, but we're not making a moral judgment here. The anyway, the, the left is definitely not a fan of Elon Musk, and I would say for the fir- the first reason is because he is successful. Uh, the left, the progressive left, seems to inherently dislike people that are successful, financially successful. By by the way, at the time we're recording this, I think Elon is still the richest person on earth in <laughs> terms of. He's been taking turns paper. lately. Yeah, yes. he's been trading with Bezos. There seems to be an inherent hatred of the wealthy, which is interesting because um, uh, I don't fully <clears throat> comprehend it. But uh, I, actually, I've got some theories on why. But when it comes to Musk, I do, th- and we had this conversation earlier. I do think when you look at this list and the whole reason we've gone through the last guy that lives in a $50,000 house, he does drive a cool car, but in his defense, he invented it. (laughs) (laughs) He, um, he does live in a tiny house, doesn't he? Yeah. $50,000 tiny house on the SpaceX campus. I remember correctly. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, that's right. Uh, I don't think he owns any homes anymore. Uh, but what I do find why he stands out on this list with exception, possibly Mark Zuckerberg would be the other one. These are, individuals that actually built something not yeah. from nothing but but basically from an idea they built something yes. from an idea and they've and they've invested mm-hmm. years um invested their lives and i find that interesting because the politicians on this list didn't really build anything they just simply get voted into a position of influence and power these are people that created mm-hmm. things uh, in the case of musk created new industries and mm-hmm. is probably been a pivotal figure in the way vehicles are going to be propelled for the next hundred years. The way I'm going to give Merkel a pass. Okay, I think she built infrastructure in Europe at a time when they were going through some crises. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna give her a pass and say she built something. Mm-hmm. I'm not commenting on whether I think what a she big built door for was Northern the, Africa. I'm just kidding. partially, partially, <laughs> but she figured out like what are, what are we going to do as a continent in response sure. to this? So. I, I do think that there's some enduring legacy there that maybe is not true for the politicians, but just, you know. Sure. No, 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 I'll, I'll go with that. Um, but I, I, in, in the case of people that build things in the real world, not just rhetorical structures and not just right. soaring rhetoric and, and all this <laughs> exactly. stuff, uh, pretty, pretty amazing person, very secular. Uh, if you listen to his speeches and his talks and his views, um, well, the thing that drives this guy at least seems to be getting to Mars and not just getting there, but making the human race a multi multi-planetary species. <laughs> Everything else comes to in support of that, which is kind yeah. of interesting to say the least. Mm. 
Yes, he is. He is one of those fascinating figures of our generation as well. You know, there are characters that do important work that just you don't want to read a book about them necessarily. Right. But he is such a fascinating intellect. The way he thinks, the way he works, the way he solves problems. I think that's made him uh, enduring and almost mythological. You know, the the kind of questions he asks and the way he tries to solve the questions and the the ideas he comes up with that people are like, oh, we're right. <laughs> and then he shows up a few weeks later. Well, look at this. You know, th- this is a this is a fun a fun inventor to follow. Not long ago, when he first talked about rockets taking off and then landing themselves, right. everybody <laughs> said, "Oh, what a dumb idea is that!" And within a couple of years, yeah. they were doing mm-hmm. it. It's it's amazing. And just the way he frames the question, because they have been framing the question of like, how, how difficult is it to to land these these rocket pieces? Oh, it's very difficult, and people are willing to pay the premium, you know, for this disposable part. And so let's just get those rockets up in space. And he talked about how he went into his engineers and said, "Imagine." Somebody dropped a pallet of cash out of the sky, and if you could catch it, you could keep it. <laughs> what are you going to do? Yep. <laughs> right? That, that's just how he, he frames questions in a way that produce practical solutions. Yep. Mm. And probably his least known company, uh, which might have the biggest implications, is the company where they're looking at um, bio implants oh, in your brain. That one's kind of a... Wild. Uh, it's wild to say the least. The boring, yep. the boring company, fantastic name. <laughs> yes. The tunnel making company. <laughs> it is the most boring thing about <laughs> the it. Boring company. And even then, it's very interesting. Uh, of course, SpaceX and Tesla. Uh, he started with PayPal. I think mm-hmm. that's where he made his initial money. Just a really interesting person. And I and I I'm curious. So I don't think we have enough information yet. I am curious why time picked him. Because yeah. you get a sense from what you read earlier, and, and you can always tell the ones that they pick that they wish they didn't have to. <laughs> so why did they feel compelled to pick? Mm, yes. Yeah. Well, they couldn't pick Biden and Kamala again. <laughs> and I don't, I I would have expected maybe something like the, the frontline first responders, but I think they missed that by a year. Mm-hmm. I, think yeah. that, I think that last year was their year, and they just know that that sort of died off in the public conversation, if not mm-hmm. in the actual importance of what they do. Instead of Biden and Kamala, they really should have picked, and they would never do this. Big Pharma. <laughs> Big Pharma <laughs> saved the world. No, uh, probably did funded. They? Didn't they? <laughs> or did they? Will they? Have they? Uh, but I yep. think uh, something for us as, as Christian dads here, we've touched on, in at least in Time mm-hmm. Magazine's opinion, the most... Yeah. Influential, notable people of each year. And they got it wrong again. Which year? This year? Every year. Every year they get it wrong? Yeah. Why is that? Well, who's the most influential person this year? This year? Fauci? Nope. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus Christ. Wow. Okay. That's cheating. Who was the most important, <laughs> the most important person last year? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Who was the most important person the year before that? Jesus Christ. Now, now you're 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 proving the question in Sunday school when you hold up the picture of a rabbit and say, "Who is this?" And the kids like, "I think it's a rabbit, but I know the answer is Jesus." Nice, yeah, <laughs> but absolutely, but it is, but it he is, is in like, control of and, everything. Yeah, the man Jesus Christ, yeah. he is the most important person of every year in history because every year in history is about mm-hmm. him. Yeah. And I I think as Christians we don't want to lose sight of that. And yes. these are interesting characters that God has written into His story. Some are villains, some are heroes. Uh, little H, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, heroes with clay feet at best. Um, some are, are strange. Some are almost magical. 
Some are comical. Uh, some are full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Some look like they signify nothing, but they lead to sound and fury. Uh, there's interesting stories that God's telling every year, and I think it's neat for publications to highlight mm-hmm. those interesting stories. But as Christians, especially coming into Christmas time, ever since that night in Bethlehem, the the man of the year has been Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know, it's a it's a great way to reposition this, Chris, is when you look I at... I totally stole your... <laughs> no, it's all right. The biblical narrative... <laughs> Back to you were saying. <laughs> no, the biblical narrative, when you read through the New Testament and you read through the Old Testament, with a few exceptions, the people that are the focus of God's story would never have made Time's Person <laughs> of the Year. Yep. Abraham wouldn't have made it. The guy's a nomad. He lives in tents. Who's this guy? Um when I say the rare exception, you know, maybe David or Solomon would have made the list. Jesus himself wouldn't have made the list. He's mentioned kind of in an obscure way by Josephus, the historian at the time, one of the historians Mm -hmm. at the time, the apostles wouldn't have made the list. And yet from God's story, God's narrative, these are pivotal characters, Mm -hmm. noteworthy, his people of the time that he decided to use. And the thing I love about the biblical story is they are, they were, with the exception maybe of the royals, people just like us. Mm. It's just a question of saying yes to the Lord, submitting to him, obeying mm. him, pursuing him. Mm. And uh, and that's really the list that matters, is mm-hmm. the list in his mind of those that he can say, well done, good and faithful mm-hmm. servant. Amen. Amen to that. Amen. Well, with that, should we wrap it up probably? Yeah. yeah I got, uh, I got kids to pick up. Christmas so, special. <laughs> yes. End of season two. End of season two. Right. Merry Christmas, guys. Hope you have an yeah. awesome holidays. Yeah. Um, you traveling far, Chris? Or Hopefully just... to the west side. We'll okay, see how the passes do if they'll let us get over. But Safe that travels. is our desire yeah. to yeah. be with family. Well, good. As you guys go, you'll uh, be in our prayers, of course, and mm-hmm. um, see you around here at the church uh, until you head out. Hope that... Uh, I think the snow, has it stopped outside? I can't tell. Oh, it's supposed to have. Okay. Right, so the, safe travels yeah, home from here, too. Not big flakes if they, if it's snowing, but yeah. uh, it's maybe it's beginning blurring. to look a lot like Christmas around here, finally. <laughs> finally, but it may warm up it just might, enough to yeah, melt before Spokane. Christmas, so yeah. don't get your hopes too Is high. Is it sixth winter yet? I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Is this the one that yeah. stays for a few weeks? No, I think that's the week after Christmas, oh, unfortunately. That's right. <laughs> it's like, we had snow for New Year's. It's kind of the... Uh, yep. We do winters that. like hobbits do meals. That's right. Yeah. I was just thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I have a quote I can close us with. If Fan, you guys ooh, are ready, so, is it from uh, the Spurge? It is from the yes. Spurge. Yeah, it has to do with Christmas. It has year. to do with Christmas. Oh, here so, we go. Well, we'll see whether we agree with it or not. We can discuss after the show's over. But uh, <laughs> we do. Uh, we do. Thank you for joining us. Um, here, here's a, a closing, a closing word from the Spurge, uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. As we think today of the birth of the Savior, let us aspire after a fresh birth of the Savior in our hearts. That as he is already formed in us, the hope of glory, we may be renewed in the spirit of our minds, that we may go to the Bethlehem of our spiritual nativity and do our first works, enjoy our first loves, and feast with Jesus as we did in the holy, happy, heavenly days of our espousals. And with that, we thank you for joining us. Uh, If you enjoy our podcast, you can visit us uh, 
at bombadillsporch.com. Uh, you can rate us well on your podcasting software of choice. <laughs> Not that we're too worried about ratings, but uh, <laughs> we'll probably just keep doing what we're doing anyway. But but if you have comments, those are those are more valuable. So go to our go to yes. bombadillsporch.com and uh, leave us a comment or uh, a voicemail or an email. Um, you can contact contact us at bombadillsporch at gmail.com as well. And uh, we would love to hear from you. If you've got ideas for next year, 2022, things you'd like for us to, to tackle, or if you'd like to be on the show, uh, we'd love to have you. So please, uh, yeah, get hey, a hold of us. If we get a one-star rating, so did Jesus. That's right. And maybe we don't want to get ratings. Maybe we should be asking for zeros or two. Yeah. Can you do a zero star? If we can get as many stars over our stable as Jesus had over his. Then as we'll soon be, as we wrap up, I'm going to oh try boy. to give us a one star to yeah. see if that works. Why? <laughs> and I know it wasn't over his stable. I'm just. Yes, it wasn't over his stable at all. Over the house. Oh, oh man. Well, Caleb, thank you for that. Merry You're Christmas, welcome. you Merry guys. Merry Christmas.